Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a Friday night edition of the Sea Report. I uh, am glad to be here with you guys tonight, running a little bit late, but still on time, I think. Yep, we're still on time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to avoid. Well, first, let me say, apologize, I'm coming on a little bit late today, but yes, indeed, we had a uh, some things going around the old sea household this uh, afternoon. So we're coming on, yep, at 8 o'clock tonight instead of 7.30. Hope you guys don't mind. Just a busy day. Had a bunch of things going on today. Had to do some family things, doctor's appointments, and uh, things just got running long. So I had to push back the time just a little bit in order to ensure that I was getting there on time and giving you guys uh, something that was well worth seeing. So anyhow... I appreciate it, everybody, and I welcome, welcome, welcome you all to the show tonight. Uh, we will have, um, I would say, a light, yeah, I would say a light, light Friday evening for you guys. We got a few news stories and the headlines to share. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about Cuba. We'll be talking uh, about the nursing home death scandals. Now, that's probably the one right there. That's the ticker, uh, because as you guys know, We've talked at length about these governators all the way from what? Uh, uh, gruesome Newsome unto uh, Gretchen, uh, Wretched Gretchen Whitmer, all the way to Nipple Rings Cuomo, who have uh, done these things, had created these mandates during the COVID-19 crisis, of course, uh, that now we're seeing uh, some other, other types of... Uh, stories coming from that in fact you know it's kind of like what's going on here department of justice exactly how tied into this you know how how tied into this uh mendacity are these people you know or they're not even going to do anything about it but we'll get into that as the night goes along and then of course uh as you see there on the ticker tape uh yeah gavin gruesome newsome Mm -hmm. apparently he's inviting uh, all the homeless people to go to California. So we'll see how well that bodes for him on his recall election. Cause it doesn't sound like a whole lot of people are happy with it. Not at all, ladies and gentlemen, but before we begin tonight's show as in standard fashion, let's go ahead and get ourselves going with dun -dun 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 -dun, yesterday's chat recap. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get it going. Okay. All right. Where are you at? There you are. Okay. All right. Looks like yesterday we had Gary Flester in the house, Texas gal, Tam Growl. Tam Growl also gifting a can. Uh, Belushi gifting a cookie. M many thanks to you guys for those donations. Christina Fontana, Derailing, Depatriate1776, FMJ7062 by 39, Just V, Sherry Pittsburgh, Mitridate, Peeled by the Rabbit, and Aurelius Locke hanging out. Tam Growl says, Have you ever seen a weightlifting drag queen? Oh, yeah, they're out there. Um, I can tell you for a fact, Tam Grow, I have never seen of and or have heard of such a thing. Now, I've seen a drag queen come out in uh, styrofoam muscles, <laughs> but I don't think that that's quite the same thing. How's it going? One, two, three, SKG. Welcome to the Sea Report. Thanks for popping into the chat. Uh, we're getting things going a little bit late here today. Had a bunch of stuff going on. 
prior to. Um, and so, yes, we'll be doing, you know, and in fact, actually, yes, a, a late C report today. We got uh, a handful of news reports we'll be sharing with you guys, kind of dissecting them a little bit. And then, of course, we will be back tonight with Mr. C in the dark. That should be fun, by all means, very fun. Uh, but anyhow, so yes, uh, Tam Growl's talking about weightlifting drag queens, of which I've never heard of. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to get into the commentary about muscular women and uh, muscular drag queens. I think that's probably... Well, you know, I have seen a muscular drag queen one time. And that was a muscular man who dressed in drag. I mean... Uh, it, it was just all dependent on his cut in clothes. And then, of course, whatever else. But... Uh, Interesting fact that Peeled by the Rabbit says, those elders are spot on. I like the concept male, female, and two spirits. So uh, we were talking about that article we read at the head of the show yesterday when we were discussing what was going on in Alaska and, uh, you know, drag queen story time uh, taking over, invading the children of Alaska. Well, anyways, uh, very interesting article. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I mean, I thought it was very interesting because, you know, even even outside of the gay culture, so to speak, uh, you know, you hear about two-spirit. You know, uh, it's something that people reference, uh, something that people speak about uh, uh, as if, though, it were, you know, a common factor, common knowledge type of thing. And uh, I was kind of like, wow, how interesting to note uh, that that's not even something that comes from the native culture in Alaska proper. It comes from Canada. I thought that was very interesting. Very, very interesting. Derailing said that it was pedo indoctrination. I could not agree with you more in that regards, derailing, because after all, um, I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, uh, homosexual or one spirit creatures, <laughs> if you want to reference the Alaskan. Uh, it's not like they uh, read stories and teach their children about sex at a young age. You would think that those in the homosexual community and beyond, transsexual, homosexual, lesbian, whatever, you'd think that they would realize that uh, even though they're trying to uh, teach inclusivity that they would not reach out to children to teach them about sexuality and sexual practices. I guess that's where the LGBTQIA, LMNOP, XYZW community has failed to realize that certain things, I mean, they're like, they're like, I guess they're the Karens of the, the, the gender world. I guess the gay people, the, these who want to do that, I guess they're the Karens of the, uh, of the sexual sexuality. I don't know how you want to say it. I just know that they're like, ah, oh, we have to teach everyone about us because anyways, yeah, enough about that. Right. But like, yeah, so interesting topics of conversations, the last couple of shows talking about this. I mean, I'm sure it's not a topic that everyone can speak about all the time comfortably, but, uh, you're always welcome here on the Mr. C channel to bring up these issues because you can. And so can I. Gary Flessner says, it pisses me off, makes good gays look bad. You know, I could not, that's an understatement, Mr. Flessner. That's an understatement because when a G was an LGBTQ plus whatever, 
wanted to add the letter P to that abomination. Like, I was just like, and and you know what that meant, though. The P was for pedophile. It was uh, because at the time, they were also trying to make uh, pedophilia a mental disorder. And they wanted to put it in the DSM, right? The Book of Mental Disorders. And they wanted to put pedophilia as uh, as a, a preference or a mental disorder that causes uh, adults to prefer children or to prefer, uh, I mean, children. I mean, basically, that's it. To prefer children, to prefer minors. And I was like, what? Okay, so that was already sick and disgusting enough as it was, right, ladies and gentlemen? But... Then they wanted to tagline P, pedo, pedophilia, pedophiliac, whatever you want to call these sickos. They wanted to tagline that onto the LGBTQ community. And just as Gary Flesner says, it pisses me off because it makes good gays look bad. And that's exact. I was pissed. I was like, no, this ain't going to happen. And I don't know if you guys remember, like um, on Snapchat, even on Snapchat, they had uh, they had a um, they had a filter one one year. I don't remember. It was probably like a year within within the last two years. They had this filter and the filter was under the premise of uh, love is love. Right. So it was like love has it was like love has no race. Love has no sex. Love has no species. Ah, just kidding. That one didn't exist. But they did have one that said love has no age. Like Snapchat literally had a filter that said love has no age. They were pushing this pedophile agenda to all of the people who use Snapchat. And you know the people who use Snapchat are millennial and younger, right? I mean, I'm not quite millennial. I'm like at the tail beginning of it. Like, I barely missed it. Kind of, I'm almost in it. It's kind of like a gray area for me, myself, and I because of my birth year, according to them. Even though, like, you know, I clearly remember the, uh, I clearly remember the cord phone, uh, the landline. I clearly remember that. I clearly remember the times before there were computers or the internet. Uh, but somehow I'm still uh, uh, swamped into that whole group, right? Anyways, I'm not important in this discussion. What is important is that this entire group of young ones who use Snapchat were given a filter that says love has no age. And, you know, another thing that I find quite interesting, uh, but also remarkable and not remarkable in a good way, remarkable in a, like I have to remark about this because it's quite disgusting Um Whenever, you know, we're going into these conversations and there's going to be a little news about it at the end of the show uh, about these busts that happen with people who are pedophiles, uh, people who are abusing children uh, and, and things like that. I am just blown away at how many young people. And when I say young, I mean north of 18, young, uh, south of 35 how many young people are involved in this? Like, it blows my mind that you have 22-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 28-year-olds who are molesting children, who are pre preying on children. It blows my mind. Because I'm like, you're in the prime of your life. You know, you're like, all rockets are firing. Uh, everything is going. Like, why on the hell 
are you preying on children when you could be having the time of your life with people your own age or if you have the daddy complex or the mommy complex, people who are older than you who are probably more willing to participate? Why on earth are you preying on children? It boggles my mind that the amount of individuals who are actually involved in this sick pedophilic activity are like younger than 35. It's disgusting. I mean, of course, there are the sickos out there who are north of 35 that do this kind of thing. But it boggles my mind to know that there's a 21-year-old guy who's getting his rocks off with children who are like 12 or younger. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. I, I mean, I'm a late bloomer, but it makes no sense whatsoever to me. Anyways. All right, guys, we're already getting into the thick of it and we haven't even gotten started. <laughs> Yeah, this, these are, yeah, that this is, welcome to the chat recap, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see what else we had here. P.N., who indeed did inform me that it was P.N., so I, one of three, I had a third chance of being correct on that name. Thank you, P.N., I appreciate it. I feel so much more comfortable addressing you as you should be. Uh, P.N. was hanging out in the house, X-Boxer, S-Boxer, not X-Boxer. S-Boxer says, Cabaret was never for kids. Indeed, my friend, good point here, just jumping back into that topic. Like, why don't these people understand that? Like, why don't other drag queens and, and other gay people understand that you cannot be teaching children about sex? Now, you can say, I would say you can say uh, some children have a mommy and a mommy and some children have a daddy and a daddy. And when the kid says, but but why do they have a mommy and a mommy and a daddy and daddy? You don't have to tell them because the daddy likes to have the daddy's parts uh, play with daddy. You don't have to tell them that they like to have sex, right? Like, it could end at because those two people love each other. You don't have to say, oh, because they like to stick each other with themselves or the mommies like to rub up on each other. Like, you don't have to say any of that. You don't have to express it. You don't have to show them. Kids don't need to understand that. Once they've reached that point of adolescence going into adulthood, I'm pretty sure that they could put two and two together, right? I mean, the parents always had the conversation of the birds and the bees, and they should have that conversation. My parents had that conversation with me, you know, and uh, it wasn't left to a teacher who was going to teach them how to masturbate, you know, just like we saw in that one video one night on the C report. I mean, on the Mr. C in the dark show. But, um, you know, uh, why do why do we need to have, you know, a, a dildo butt monkey teaching our children about dildos? We don't. OK, because chances are that kids have never seen their dads to hatch a pee. So why the hell should we allow a dildo butt monkey to show everyone their male piece in a public library in the United Kingdom? It makes no sense. These people are sick. OK, Desert Fire was hanging out in the house. We also had Just V gifting a can. Thank you so much for the gold pill of cans, cans of gold pills. Aurelius Locke says prayer. Oh, Aurelius Locke says prayers for my dad, please. He was diagnosed with COVID this morning. Yes, indeed. Aurelius Locke, we send prayers and loving care to you and your family. Please keep us informed about how that's going. I just connected with you on um, Discord, Aurelius. I don't know. I haven't checked my Discord today, uh, but I found you just where you told me that I would find you. So, um, you know, we've connected with you, but indeed, please, please, please let us know how that goes, Aurelius, uh, in, a, in a future comment. Um, Aurelius uh, said, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, and farm fresh food, which I believe, yes, indeed, that is probably going to be very helpful. Um, no vax for his father. 
and they're checking into ivermectin. So Aurelius, please, our prayers and our heartfelt concern goes out to you and your family. Uh, because, I mean, you know, I was uh, at a doctor's appointment today. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing about you. But I'm just saying like, I was at a doctor's appointment today with my sis. And, uh, you know, she was getting uh, familiar with her uh, her PP, whatever is it, primary care physician, PCP. And, uh, you know, the question comes up did you get your vaccination shot? And she's like, no. And the PCP's like, well, why not? And then it was like, well, I mean, I, she said I had permission to talk about this. So, you know, uh, my sister did get one of the jabs, not both of them, one of them. The reason for that being, of course, because her job was going to threaten her with her job if she did not get the jab. Now, the rest of that story, you know, it deals with forgery and stuff like that. So we're not going to get into how my sister's retaining her position there. Let's just say we do what we got to do. Uh, email me if you need some support. <laughs> oh, someone just got busted for making forged COVID vaccine uh, um, um, <laughs> papers. So I don't know. It sounds like a good business. I mean, if you don't want to get your COVID shot... And your job is forcing you to come over to the C-Report and we'll forge one for you. No, just kidding. I'm just playing FDA and CDC and United States government. We don't forge documents here at the C-Report. I promise you, we don't do it. That's illegal, I think. How is it illegal? I don't know. Anyways, I don't know. Okay, let's get off that subject. The doctor was like pressing. I mean, it was interesting, actually, because um, the doctor, uh, I mean... <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to talk smack about the doctor, but, um, uh, she was like, she was like, uh, uh, really guilt tripping. Cause I was in the office with my sister because, you know, for the time being, I'm helping my sis get back on her feet health wise. And uh, the doctor was like, why, why didn't you get the vaccine? <laughs> so we were like, well, my sister said, uh, it was because she wanted to keep her job. And then the doctor guilt tripped both of us. Even I'm sure she knew I did not have a vax <laughs> just by my like my general uh, ness in, in that entire conversation. <laughs> and the doctor was like, you know, with the new the new variant, people of your condition get it more. So you really need to be careful. And then she was like, 16 of my patients have died. And I was like, God, girl, you ain't taking care of your patients. Anyways. That was an interesting, uh, but you know, there you go. Um, uh, again, Aurelius, I'm not making light of your situation. Indeed, please, please, we're giving you prayers. We're giving you support. We're sending our positive vibes and keep us informed. I would not doubt that your your father, uh, 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 you know, I would not doubt that your father beats it, um, you know, especially with, with this regimen that you've already laid out here. I have full faith and, and hope that your father will do well. Um, but, but still, guys, if you're out there in the chats, uh, let's lend our prayers to Aurelius Locke and his dad and his family uh, in this time. Because, you know, I mean, you never know. But at the same time, at the same time, we've been given the knowledge on how to do this. So I could only hope that it will go that way. And I believe it will. Positive Vibe 72 was in the house as well as Service Dog Mom and Nick Walls. Uh, Sean Joe hanging out, gifting a cookie. Thank you so much, Sean Joe. Aurelius Law. Oh yeah, we, we talked about that one. Sean Joe says, uh, Natalie Harp is awesome. The real deal. We'll be watching that Natalie Harp 
interview tonight on the Mr. C Report. Uh, this is the Mr. C Report. Sorry, guys. It's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a long day and a lot of reading. Um, uh, tonight on, uh, as I said, Mr. C in the Dark. That's what I'm trying to say. Mr. C in the Dark, which is a mere four hours from now. Okay. So, okay. And then uh, Joan of Sark was hanging out. Uh, Desert Fire says, blaming Boyer. Boy, Desert Fire. Um, you know, the, the, the free market will always reign in regards to everything, Desert Fire. But you should have seen the report that we did here on the C Report about Boyer uh, over there in Arizona. Because uh, I I feel like we hammered him pretty good, guys. I don't know what you guys think, but I feel like we hammered down on that Paul Boyer, Senator, Republican, traitor, backstabber, rhino in Arizona. Um, all I could say, Desert Fire, is check out the replay. We hammered him pretty hard here, much harder than the Gateway Pundit did anyways. And the Gateway Pundit is good people, but we hammered the crap out of Paul Boyer over there in the uh, Arizona Republican Senate because he is a traitor and a rhino if there ever was one. Pilled by the Rabbit says, I think Arizona is the same as Texas. They don't do daylight savings. I wish Utah would do the same. I'm sorry, Pilled by the Rabbit, but uh, you know, when I found out that A, Arizona does not do daylight savings time, and B, you don't have to renew your driver's license or identification for 50 years. I was like, dang, Arizona's where it's at. Unfortunately, uh, the state of Texas does subscribe to daylight savings time and fall back. Uh, I don't know. Was that fall back, lose an hour time? It's most unfortunate, but it happens here in Texas. I can't, you know, I didn't even know that a, a, a plane like that existed. I thought everyone did daylight savings time, but now I'm like, Arizona, you kind of coo, Arizona. Texas gal says, buck tooth beto. Yes. Yes, Beto. I found the most unflattering picture of him that I could. Uh, Nick Wall says, this guy is a boss. And I was like, what's a boss? Okay, let me tell you what a boss is. Okay, in San Antonio, on the other side of the tracks, if you're a boss, you're like one of those, like, like one of those girls, like boss, like, you know, <laughs> you're like a Hispanic Karen. But he meant piece of, you know, schnikey. Piece of Shnike, you were talking about Beto O'Rourke here. Unless you're from San Antonio, then you're on the other side of the tracks, Karen. Uh, Speaking Easy was hanging out. Speaking Easy says, oh man, beta. <laughs> beto is a beta. The epitome of the word puto. <laughs> and then uh, Desert Fire says, when I hear his name, I think of the minions. Beto, Beto, Beto. <laughs> Good stuff there, guys. Good stuff. Merkers, otherwise known as Doreen Merck, was hanging out at the foxhole yesterday. Texas gal says, Willie Nelson, oh my word. That is so disrespectful to all farmers and all people of Texas. His brain is fried. Can we disown him? I would say, Texas gal, we should have disowned him a long time ago. I mean, the minute he was like... Democrats, liberals, open borders. Yeah, he should have been. He should have been off of our, uh, off of our uh, a CD players and our MP3, whatever. He should have been gone. We don't need Willie Nelson in this town. He needs to go. Okay. Uh, derailing agrees. Says Willie's dementia and pot are not a good combination. <laughs> there comes a time in one's life. 
when one should probably put down the marijuana joint and or the marijuana cigarette and focus on reclaiming their brain cells. Uh, I did it. Many people have done it. And, you know, <laughs> you guys probably wouldn't guess based on the way I talk to y'all somehow. Uh, there was one content creator, I'm not going to name who, <laughs> that got with me one night. Hold on. Let me see if they're in the room. I don't think they are. Yeah, and they were like, Mr. C, were you high tonight on weed? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I haven't touched that in months. <laughs> but it was still amusing to me. Anyways, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm an open book, guys. I am not ashamed of my past. I take full responsibility for my actions and the things that I've done. It's primarily why you can't blackmail me because I really, I will tell you straight up my sins of the past. And, you know, I've repented. I've changed my ways, all that good stuff. So I have no problem talking about the things that I've done. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll admit it, between the ages of 17 and 25 or 26, I was a daily pot smoker. That's why I'm a little off my rocker sometimes, but, you know, I don't do that anymore. It's no different than telling you guys about how I've had a DWI or two. And I served my time and I did my thing. And, yes, I might enjoy a drink or two now and then. But I don't drink and drive. I do not drink and drive. That is because I am blessed that I did not hurt anybody the times that I did. And before my DWIs, guys, I drove drunk so many times I deserve to get caught. You know how they say that when you get caught, that's like you might have gotten caught that one time, but it's you've done it a 100 times, 200 times, a 1000 times, and it finally caught up to you. That was the case with me. And I'm just lucky. I'm, I mean, I say it with with my full sincerity and all honesty from my heart. I'm very lucky that I did not hurt anyone one of or two of or three of or four of those thousand times that I did it. I mean, that was my reckoning. That was God saying that was the universe saying, look, Mr. C, you need to stop because you could hurt someone. And I'm just lucky that that did not happen. OK, so my life is an open book. I will share these things with you. I don't mind. And if you want to judge me, go ahead. <laughs> What you think is not my business anyways. Okay, so anyways, getting back to this <laughs> chat recap. For me. We're getting kind of deep here a little bit too early, I think, on the C-Report today. This is what happens when I start 30 minutes late. But then again, guys, thank you all again because as I was saying, as I was saying, um, things were happening today at the C-Household. So we're starting a little bit late. I appreciate your understanding and everyone for coming in. And hanging out. Okay, so let's go ahead and say uh, what's going else on on this end of the chat recap. Just V says, isn't Beto the one that tried to give his wife baby poop saying it was avocado? Oh, Just V. <laughs> when I read that comment, Just V, I was like, I would immediately have divorced that man. <laughs> that is disgusting. I don't know if that is a fact. I don't know if that is fiction, Just V, but Just Beto seems like he's the kind of person that would do that. The Texan was hanging out. Deborah Erdman was hanging out. AP9889. Yeah, boy, Death stopped in for a few. Looking up as well. Yeah, boy, Death gifted a cookie. 
He said, I'm try I tried calling the number. I got an answering machine and he says his mailbox was full. I'm guessing you're speaking about either the loser from Arizona <laughs> or who else do we who else's phone number did I put? I put up I put up uh, Paul Boyer's phone number yesterday. I put up the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors phone number. Um, I'm not sure. Are you from Arizona, ya boy death? If you are, I hope to see you at the Trump rally on Saturday. Um, well, I mean, I'm not going to be there, but we'll be broadcasting it. We wouldn't know who you are anyways, ya boy death, but you know what? Godspeed if you are there. One, two, three, SKG was hanging out, derailing Rhino Puss. <laughs> Piece of shnikey. Uh, Jill and Gomez was hanging out yesterday. Now, that's the first time I have seen Jill and Gomez in the chat room. Correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm certainly hoping, as most of the C repeat offenders do, May Jill and Gomez just at home here in the chat rooms. One, two, three, SKG looking up and Deborah Erdman all gifting a cookie. Thank you so much. Uh, most appreciated. The speaking easy says beautiful Stacy Abrams. What a real flower. <laughs> what kind of flower are you talking about? Speak. <laughs> uh, just he says is Stacy. Oh, is that Stacy Abrams sister? We're talking about the uh, senator from uh, what was that? The senator from Louisiana. Yeah. No, Stacey Abrams. That was, I mean, no, Stacey. No, Just V. That was not Stacey Abrams' sister. But don't say that anywhere outside of the C-chats because they might think you're racist. <laughs> the Speaking Easy says, Mr. C, you always pick those epic picture snaps on these creatures. <laughs> I try. I try. I ain't going to give them no flattering photo op here on the C-Report. They're monsters. They're mongrels. They're treasonous SOBs. And they deserve to be seen for the ugly spirited individuals that they are. Why am I going to give them a pretty, pretty striking pose? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We don't do that here. Just V says, we all need to become rhino hunters. That is the mission here. Between now and 2022, let us hunt the rhinos. If you know about a rhino in a state legislature near you, send that information on over to the Sea Report and we will bust them wide open because we need to take their tusks and make them extinct. They don't deserve to be hiding, hiding in a true conservative's clothing, in a true conservative constitutional's, uh, constitutionist's clothing anymore. We need to see them exactly for what they are. In fact, the Texan agrees. We go in rhino hunting with a 700 nitro mag. And indeed, we will. Also, yesterday, we had Better Lately hanging out, as well as Bill Tech. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. We had a fun time. We always do here at the Sea Report. Now, let's see what's going on in today's chat before we get underway. Hey, 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 guys. Thanks for coming in to the show. Uh, we have 123SKG first in the chat today, looking up, as well as Aureli Slock. Hey, buddy. Pilled by the rabbit. And uh, let's see here. All of the uh, usual C suspects are coming up. Sonia JHC. Uh, let's see here. We also have in the house, before we get started, beautiful souls, angel wings hanging out. And all right, you guys are lighting it up in there. Good to see you guys. The Speak Uneasy. What's up, Speak? 
I'm glad you're having a dang good evening tonight, Speak. I'm glad you are. All right. And thank you, 123SKG, for the can. And also, thank you, Looking Up, for the cookie. I appreciate the refreshments. They're most, most adequate. I appreciate you so much. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get to the C-Report. Uh, let's see here. What we got going on tonight? Oh, well, you guys know we always start with President Trump's statements. Now we have uh, the first statement from President Trump saying, I'm looking forward to speaking at Turning Point Action on Saturday afternoon in the great state of Arizona. They will, uh, We will be broadcasting at approximately 6 p.m. Big crowd, see you there. Okay, guys, so get ready for it. This is tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Now, I don't know which, where you guys are going to be, but we will be here at Mr. C Channel on the Foxhole app, at the C Report, at Twitch, and at Mr. C TV at Trobo, broadcasting live, broadcasting live. Uh, President Trump's speech over at the C Report. Now, if you guys are over at Foxhole or at Pill.net, and you go over to Mr. C's channel's Pilled channel or Pilled account. Uh, we put up a little posting. So they will be broadcasting his speech at 6 p.m. Central, which should be approximately 5 p.m. here in the state of Texas. We're going to go live at, we said 3 o'clock. We'll go live at 3 or 4. Do you guys want me on at 3 o'clock? If you guys want me on at 3 p.m., we'll go live at 3 p.m. We'll chat. We'll hang out. Maybe I'll pick up some videos for you guys to check out. We'll, we'll do something special. Otherwise, we'll be on about 4 p.m. We like to, I like to do it, you know, maybe about an hour ahead of the time to kind of get, you know, kind of get the juice flowing. That pep rally rolling. Ooh, that gives me a good idea. Maybe we'll go live at 3 p.m. We'll go live at 3 p.m. tomorrow. You know what? My word is my bond. And so we'll be here live at 3 p.m. tomorrow. I would expect that President Trump will be speaking about 5 p.m. This is all central time. He says 6 p.m. Eastern. So you know what, guys? If you got things to do, if you got a fox hop, if you got, you know, children to feed and, you know, uh, 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 spouses to tend to, then I would say do what you got to do. But I will hold the door open and I will keep the light on for any of those who want to hang out with us tomorrow at the C Channel over on Foxhole. And uh, we will be airing live again. Oh, my goodness. No, that that's a little bit too far ahead. Oh. There we go. Oh, 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 lord, lordy. Okay, we'll just we're gonna leave that there for now. <laughs> Trap. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be hanging out live tomorrow uh, for that time, and uh, I invite you all to join us. Uh, it'll be a great time. You know, we enjoy Trump's live um, live events here at the Sea Report. They're always something to remark about. Always, always, always. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Next statement. He only had two statements on this Friday afternoon. He must be out getting a nice piece of steak on the town. President Trump says, Can anybody believe that the Cleveland Indians, a storied and cherished baseball franchise since taking the name in 1915, are changing their name to the Guardians? Such a disgrace. Such a disgrace. And I guarantee that the people who are most angry about it are the many Indians of our country. Wouldn't it be an honor to have a team named after the Cleveland Indians? And wouldn't it be disrespectful to rip the names and logo off their jerseys? 
The people of Cleveland cannot be thrilled, and I, as former, as a former, emphasis on the word former, baseball fan, cannot believe things such as this are happening. A small group of people with absolutely crazy ideas and policies is forcing these changes to destroy our culture and heritage. At some point, the people will not take it any more. And that is the final statement from President Trump on this day, July 23rd, a Friday of 2021. Indeed, we're talking about the cancel culture here again, guys. The cancel culture, indeed. And uh, that's what President Trump has got to say about it. It's ludicrous. It's out of control. And maybe someday we'll get to where we need to be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, different perspectives there, President Trump. Uh, some people need to hear about. All right. Don't forget, we got uh, President Trump live with us here on the Seaport. I mean, there are plenty of places you guys could go to check it out. But if you want to hang out with the fam, come on over. We'll be open. All right. Oh, why is he there? Whoopsie. <laughs> We're talking about Cuba now. <laughs> Mike. Jesus. Okay. Anyways. Okay. I'm telling you, we were running late today. It, it takes some work to get this report together with the images and the stories and the commentary without just reading it to you guys. Anyways. Okay. That's besides the point. Okay. Now we got to focus on Cuba, ladies and gentlemen. We got to focus on Cuba. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on there, uh, catching you guys up because apparently, just like I said, you know, there is no internet access. There's no telling exactly of what's going on over there. Some videos and other types of content have been leaked or smuggled out of the country of Cuba so that the rest of the world can see what's really going on. But, you know, there was a huge clampdown on the Cuban protesters, on the Cuban internet and everything that was happening over there. And this is just, I mean, uh, to the sickness of this Cuban regime, to the sickness of people who support such things as communism, that think that communism is a way of life and that, that you can actually succeed in that way. I mean, what kind of weird dystopian uh, daydream do individuals, I mean, dystopian, utopian daydream, do individuals exist in that they actually believe that a, a government like communism brings good things? Let me tell you what kind of people. I think people who are power hungry, people who power trip, people who want control, people who want control and are power hungry and probably a little bit, uh, who feel a little bit inadequate and maybe a little bit insecure. I think those are the people, unless they're just truly sick in the head and evil are the kind of people that think communism helps. But of course, those people have never been to a communist government and have never lived under a communist regime because in their delusions of grandeur of helping everyone and everyone being equal, they fail to realize that these regimes just make everyone equal by pillaging the, everyone of everything and keeping it for themselves and keeping everyone on the lower end of the spectrum as far as poverty goes and food and everything else. So anyways, things are still going on in Cuba, needless to say. Now, most recently, uh, one of the reports coming out of Cuba had to do with something that went down on, uh, well, it was actually, it was actually yesterday. 
I mean, it was actually two days ago on Wednesday, y'all. Um, there was a movement called the Movement of July Mothers or Las Madres de Once de Julio Movimiento. Actually, I'm, I mean, yeah, that's my, I mean, yeah. Movimiento de Madres de Julio de Once. No, Movimiento de Madres de Once de Julio. That's probably what it would be called in Cuba if I'm speaking in the right dialect, right? Uh, and this was a movement of mothers, of mothers and daughters and sisters who were going to take to the streets in order to raise awareness of the mass arrests. So it's boiled down to this in the communist country of Cuba, where you have women coming onto the streets to protest. And they were organizing to do this in the hundreds of thousands, if not the thousands, in order to shed light on the fact that since these, uh, since these protests broke out and since their supposed president, this Diaz guy, told everyone who was a communist to get to the streets and to beat and kill and to harm the protesters, they wanted to bring to light the fact that this was happening. That people were getting arrested, people were being disappeared, people were being murdered. And indeed, we showed you guys a little bit of that content. We showed you guys a little bit of that content here on the C-Report. Since that time, the content that has come out has been far more aggressive in the type of violence that has occurred. Whether that is just blood on the ground, which is enough for me because it's real guys, it's not Hollywood, or people being busted into, or people being shot, or wounds from the injuries that these people are suffering at the hands of the uh, 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 street-clothed police officers, federale, the official federale themselves, or even just communist uh, instigators. Ooh. Ooh, excuse me. Ooh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. I think that's the first time I've ever sneezed on air, guys. I apologize. Just so you guys know, anytime I sneeze, it's never less than two or three. Okay, pardon me. Okay, pardon me. All right. Okay. As I was saying, or just uh, plainclothes communists just killing dissidents and protesters. At the, at the behest of their president there, right? This guy who's representing the Castro name, Okay. You had the movement of July 11th mothers trying to organize a protest on Wednesday, this past Wednesday at 11 a.m. Now, this was something that was arranged by word of mouth. It is something that happened even after the Internet was shut down in the country of Cuba. Right. Um, and they were trying to use the same tactics that were once used by Cuba's largest dissident group, which was called the Ladies in White. Now, the Ladies in White was a coalition of mothers, wives, sisters, and brothers of political prisoners beaten and arrested during the Black Spring communist crackdown in 2003, guys. So while many of those that were in prison in 2003 have since been released, the Ladies in White continued their singular act of protest every week wearing, a, wearing white and carrying images of their loved ones, attempting to attend a Catholic mass in silence and protests 
but the Castro regime forced the Catholic Church during the Obama era to ban the women in right from attending mass. Because after all, when you have like-minded people and like-minded souls gathering, they don't want that, right? That's why we had this whole COVID lockdown. Now, in order for them to prevent a creation of a second ladies in white, this Castro regime that's being a holdover by this uh, President Diaz guy, um, they flooded Havana with police cars this past Wednesday and actively arrested people that they suspected of planning to attend this Mothers of July 11th movement. This was a, a protest that was to happen. Now, a lot of things were happening around this, guys. Uh, you had people who were being taken off the streets just because they were suspect without warrants, without warning, without being told where they were going, just being disappeared just because they thought, I mean, I'm talking about the police that work for this, uh, for this President Diaz guy, just because they thought that they might be attending, just because they heard they might be attending. In fact, Independent reporters who were there were also being taken off the streets. And if they were returned to their homes, they were being told not to go back onto the streets to stay in their house or else they would face tougher consequences. Uh, there are several examples that are cited in this article that I found where they're talking about individuals who are attempting to attend this uh, rally on Wednesday uh, you had an example of, uh, of uh, two individuals by the names of Martha Della Tamayo and Osvaldo Navarro. And they were um, apparently they were taken by state security agents and they were arrested based on no apparent criminal activity. They're just walking down the streets. There was no evidence that existed that agents had a warrant <clears throat> and uh, that they were even a threat to society. They were not told where they were going. They were simply taken away. Okay. Uh, there's a group called Diario de Cuba, which reported the details of video arrests, noted that its own journalist, a gentleman by the name of Jorge Enrique Rodriguez, was intercepted on his way to the march on Wednesday and threatened with arrest if he did not immediately return home. Now, um, a headline from a newspaper in Cuba by the name of Grandma, believe it or not, that's what it's called. Now, Grandma, Grandma is the official newspaper of the Communist Party in Cuba. The headline read, in Cuba, there are no disappeared or tortured people. Kind of reminds me of Mars Attacks. When the aliens chasing after one saying, don't run, I am your friend. Don't run, I am your friend. Okay, well, apparently there are no, uh, there are no disappeared or tortured people in Cuba, according to this newspaper. And you're supposed to believe the propaganda. I mean, this is all a really good primer for people who are communists or people who are waking up or people that don't understand what a communist regime can lead to, the death, the destruction. I mean, you had fascists in Germany, but communists in Russia, communists in Cuba, they have killed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Communists are as dangerous as fascists. But for some reason, communists can't understand that here. So for some reason, people think communism is sexy. I don't understand it. They think Che Guevara, okay, the only way Che Guevara was even remotely sexy is because they had Gael Garcia Bernal play him in a movie. That's the only way. Other than that, no, the man stinks and he's a murderer. 
mass murderer, genocidalist, right? Okay, so people in Cuba believe this propaganda. People across the world, they expect to believe it, but that is a good primer for exactly what a destructive government will do. They have newspapers akin to what we're seeing this day and age, guys, right? Uh, HR1 is for the people and it protects voting, right? But everyone knows if you look at what HR1 does and you understand it, that it is exactly the opposite of that. It legalizes the fraud that they used to steal the election in 2020. I mean, it's a primer. If you don't understand it, look at what's going on in Cuba. People are getting killed. People are getting uh, disappeared. People are being um, tortured. And yet you have a paper like grandma in Cuba saying that there's no one tortured disappeared. We are your friends. We are your friends. There's nothing to worry, nothing to see here. Now, uh, let's see here. So that's, that's something that we got. Now there are multiple human rights groups indeed um, that are starting to produce lists of what's going on in Cuba. In fact, we're even starting to see a little bit of pushback here in the States. So what we'll start with, whoopsie. Oh, you know what I need now, guys? Now I need Mike Pompeo. (laughs) Where'd you go, Mike? Here you are. Okay. So uh, now uh, what we have is we have some pushback coming up. So in a recent interview with Breitbart News, Mike Pompeo spoke a little bit about what he and President Trump would have done with the situation in Cuba, had they been in uh, in office at this moment. So I'm going to share that with you guys right now. Mike Pompeo, you guys know him, you guys love him. Let's go ahead and play a little bit of that interview at this time, if I can find it. Where'd you go, Mike? There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Places who we were. I did not give you permission. In the 48 seconds, let alone 48 hours. To do that, we were. about was Cuba. Yeah, the midterms are coming up. It's like you read my mind. The next thing I was going to ask you about was Cuba. Uh, so, uh, it, yes, it took them 48 hours to admit that communism is bad, which is unbelievable. But, uh, uh, Mr. Secretary, can you just tell us what you and President Trump would have done differently had you guys been there when this happened with Cuba? I mean, it's just this, is, this should be a no brainer. There would have been three things that would have been different at the outset, probably a longer list. First, it would have taken us all three seconds and i'm not even sure my team would have had to get my approval to put out a statement that we support the people of cuba and their freedom communism has destroyed their lives and they want out from that yoke bless you please make sure that you're doing everything you can to deliver an outcome that changes the regime so that you can live in freedom i I literally my team would have known it was so i was on our hearts it was who we were it wouldn't have taken us 48 seconds let alone 48 hours to do that second we put enormous pressure on the cuban regime and i think that emboldened the cuban people the cuban regime is at its weakest point in history and the chance for the cuban people to rise up and we would have reinforced that with everything that we did in the aftermath of these uprisings finally there were some real tactical things that we would have begun to do when you have um, one element within the government that has all the guns it's very hard for these protesters they put their lives literally at risk we would have made sure at the very least they could communicate with each other all across that island it's only 90 miles away the ability for them to communicate is invaluable they can talk about where the uh, protests are they can talk about where the cuban government is 
And then finally, we would have warned the Russians too. Don't you dare step in here. Don't you dare come 90 miles from our shore and support this Cuban regime. We would have drawn a big line there and we would have given the Cuban people the courage then to continue their protests and demand their freedom. Right. Yeah. And that used to be something that's bipartisan. I mean, John F. Kennedy was the one who drew the line in the ocean there with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. But, you know, it, it shifted, right? President Obama wanted to go to a baseball game there. And I, I don't know, I be cool, look cool in the stands and frankly provide money, the very money that tamped down these very exercises of the Cuban people's freedom. Can you connect the dots for us with these? Because, uh, you know, yes, Cuba is very close to us in terms of a major crisis uh, on the world stage here and 90 miles away from Miami. But, uh, you know, China's very far away. It's the other side of the planet. Uh, Russia, other side of the planet. But what happens there, Middle East, other side of the planet, what, what happens in each of these places, though, affects people at home. One of the questions you got earlier today from a... Okay, and that's what Mr. Mike Pompeo had to say about that. Interestingly enough, I mean, Obama did hold a press conference with Raul Castro um, back when he was in office. Uh, this was uh, dating back to March of 2016. He went to a baseball game at Cuba. He shook hands with the Castros, okay? And there's a little bit more about Obama we're not going to quite get into tonight, but maybe on Monday, guys, we'll talk about it, but... Okay, so that's what's going on. We got Mike Pompeo taking that stance, letting uh, Breitbart News know exactly where the Trump regime, <laughs> what the heck, the Trump administration would have standed. But anyways, that word just uh, been flying around too much today, ladies and gentlemen. But now we have um, some other things coming forward in regards to what's going on in Cuba. Now we have lawmakers here in the United States actually uh, uh, putting their foot down and saying something about the uh, plague of communism that has been uh, taking place in Cuba for nigh on six decades plus. In fact, we have Republicans at the head of this and they are calling for a criminal tribunal of human rights abuses in the country of cuba i say this is about time y'all it's about time that something like this happened uh we'll see where it goes uh an article from breitbart says more than 140 republican lawmakers led by senator rick scott and house minority leader cook uh, <coughs> cook cook kevin mccarthy sent a letter to the Organization of American States, the EU, the European Union, and the United States Secretary of um, State, Anthony Blinken, on Wednesday demanding action against Cuba's communist regime, including an international criminal tribunal. Okay, and this is, oh, why do I got Ken? Ken, where is everyone at? Oh, my goodness. My story's not lining up today. Hold on. There we go. This is what I'm looking for. Okay. All right. Let's get this on the screen for you guys. Now, this is the letter from the Congress of the United States of America in regards to uh, what they want to do in the state uh, regarding the state of Cuba. Um, it's addressed to the Congress of the United States, dear leaders of the Democratic straight States. Uh, we'll just go with the main points here. We won't read the whole thing. It's 15 pages long after all. Most of it is signatures, I might add. It says, uh, first, we urge you to emphatically denounce the illegitimate Cuban regime, 
hold it accountable for its human rights abuses and immediately end diplomatic relations, freedom-loving nations must make clear our full and unwavering support for Cuba's pro-democracy movement and for free and fair elections with international supervision. Additionally, all political prisoners must be released unconditionally, independent media, uncensored, and political parties legalized. In Cuba, the basic civil and human rights of the people have been systematically stripped away by the communist regime. Just last week, as peaceful protests continued across the island, the regime sought to silence powerful voices speaking out for freedom. Uh, here it says, over the last week, Cuban activists have been regularly kidnapped, unjustly jailed, physically mutilated, and murdered. The international community must come together with one voice to condemn these criminal abuses and demand freedom for the people. Furthermore, we encourage you to work with us in informing an international criminal tribunal for Cuba for crimes against humanity and work to hold the communist regime accountable. Organizations such as Justice Cuba, Cuba Archives, and the Cuban American Bar Association have already compiled have already been compiling the names and crimes of those who have committed human rights abuses. Second, we believe it is critical that the freedom-loving nations of the world immediately end all financial support to the regime. A full withdrawal of financial support by the international community will end a critical lifeline that allows the Cuban regime to maintain its tight grip on power. Any nation that stands for freedom, democracy, and human rights cannot also continue to support the communist Cuban regime's brutal oppression with appeasement policies in the form of increased trade, tourism, extensions of credit, or investments in the joint ventures with the regime. Cuba's tourism is largely run by the Cuban military and stays in Cuban hotels, use of foreign currency exchanges and even purchases in regime-controlled stores directly benefit the Cuban people's oppressors. Third, we believe the world's democracies must work collaboratively to coordinate democratic assistance for the brave Cuban freedom advocates. We must rally worldwide support for democracy assistance for former political prisoners and their families, civil society leaders, pro-democracy movements, and other democracy-building assistance directly to the Cuban people. Former communist countries who transition to democracy, such as Poland and the Czech Republic, are particularly adept at this type of assistance and of experience on the island. Finally, it is of utmost importance that we do everything in our power to make sure the people of Cuba can communicate with each other and the outside world through unfettered internet access, cellular service, cellular and satellite phones, and other technology that may assist the democratic opposition. A primary weapon of dictatorships like the Cuban regime is silencing their opposition. They stop them from talking to each other, from receiving information from those around the world who want to help them, and from getting the images of the regime's oppression to the outside world. Now that, my friends, is a letter from the United States Congress, of course, as I said, as headed up by uh, Senator Rick Scott and some bloke named McCarthy. 
Uh, and those are quite the, those are quite demands that they're in, they're they're raising there. I mean, again, you had these people rising up in Cuba and 40 different municipalities in the island, the largest protests they've seen in recent years. And yet you see the protesters are met with gunfire. They are beaten on the streets. There's an estimated 5,000 people who have been arrested, even though it's only been reported 600 people have been arrested in this. But there are reports that up to 5,000 people, protesters, dissidents, would be Americans. Can you believe that? I mean, we see the persecution that those who entered the Capitol on the January 6th false flag right are going through. Can you imagine what it would be like in America? 5,000 people, patriots that want their freedom, that want to be free of a communist regime being disappeared or jailed. Well, that's what they're facing in the country of Cuba. Okay. Um, uh, the uh, Let's see here. Yes. Yeah, so that was that. Now, um, again, the lawmakers are suggesting that there's an international criminal tribunal to establish investigations into Cuba's alleged crimes against humanity. Um, and they are organizing again with Justice Cuba, Cuba Archives, and the Cuban American Bar Association. Um, now, news previously reported, uh, sorry, uh, let the, let's see, the Justice Cuba compiled legal evidence and completed its investigation into Cuban rights um, abuses in 2018. Now, at that time, the United States Senator Marco Rubio and uh, Mario Diaz-Balart urged former President Donald Trump's administration to indict former Cuban dictator Raul Castro, uh, but action was never taken. Now, since then, the organization has been in search of a tribunal in order to successfully try Cuban government officials accused of torture and other atrocities against the populations on the island. Um, Republicans also slammed the failed appeasement policies of the Obama-Biden administration, which did nothing to promote freedom for the Cuban people or end the oppression forced on them by Cuba's malevolent dictatorship. In fact, next week we'll cover an article that talks about how they actually profited off of making individuals uh, fight against the Cuban government. Very interesting stuff, guys. Very interesting stuff. Uh, but that is the scene that we have right now going on with Cuba. That is the stance that our government is taking. We're starting to do something about it here in the United States of America, but we'll see how far this goes. Will this go to an international tribunal? Will it go to a tribunal for crimes against humanity? Will they hold the dictators accountable in the state? Uh, in the state, Why do I keep saying the state of Cuba? That's like the third time I've said it. I'm seeing into the future. Anyways, okay, well, well, we'll leave that there, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, I just thought I would share that development with you guys in regards to Cuba and what is going on. There's more developing, and we'll have more for you guys on the C-Report at a later date. In the meantime, let's go ahead and switch over to this man here. Yes, he made a quick appearance on my screen, and now he's back. This is, of course, uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton of the state of Texas, now, some of the news that's coming out of Ken Paxton and the state of Texas. This man has uh, recently decided to endorse an audit after Texas um, uh, Representative Bill Thoth so that he would request a audit of, uh, was it, uh, the most populous counties here in the state of Texas. 
For that, let's turn to the ever on the ball, Natalie Harp over at OAN, uh, as she talks a little bit about what's going on in the state of Texas in regards to um, uh, the audits that may be forthcoming. Natalie Harp, take it away. To spend your summer vacation. Well, if you're a Democrat, it's not the salty air of the beach that lures you, but rather the stench of the swamp. As 56 representatives and nine senators from the Texas state legislature are continuing to hide it out in D.C., avoiding the Lone Star State's special session. And can you guess how much their vacation is costing? Well, if as they're expected to, the Texas Democrats stay in D.C. through August 7th, the end of the special session, the personal cost to them is expected to reach $1.5 million. At least that's according to Texas State Rep Armando Wally with the cost of their private charter jets alone amounting to over $100,000. And then, of course, there's the cost of COVID-19, as six Texas House Democrats have already tested positive for the China virus, despite being fully vaccinated. Now, who's exactly paying for all this? Well, apparently one House member booked the block of hotel rooms, while the rest of the costs are now being run up on the tabs of the Democrats' personal credit cards. But lest we think for a moment that the representatives themselves are really going to bear the brunt of this, don't worry, the House Democratic Caucus and the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus, among others, are helping to foot the bill. With the House Democratic Caucus fundraising off the publicity stunt, already raising between donations and pledges approximately $250,000. But these entities are not alone in their fundraising efforts. No, if last summer was the summer of love, this summer is the summer of fundraising as failed presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke is also chipping in with his group, Powered by People, announcing it has raised over $500,000 from 14,000 separate donations just within the first 48 hours of the Democrats' I'll Fly Away stunt, including $5,000 from Willie Nelson. And it's not just the cost of room and board that Democrat organizations are funding for these unbelievably brave souls. No, the NAACP is also raising money for the Texas Democrats' bail fund, as they are expected to be arrested as soon as they return to the Lone Star State in August. And NCAAP President Derek Johnson is proud of his organization's efforts to free those standing in the way of free elections, saying, we bailed out freedom riders in the 1960s and we'll do it again in support of Texas Democrats' quest to combat unprecedented attacks on voting rights, adding, Saving our democracy has no price tag, and we will continue to fight alongside them for as long as we can. But if the Democrats do indeed care so much about our elections, then what do you think they'll think of auditing the vote in 2020, especially considering the fact that Texas went red in the last election, with President Trump winning the state by 631,221 votes, a margin of 5.6%. Because didn't they say Texas was supposed to go blue? While Republican Texas State Representative Steve Toth is moving forward on his plan to audit the vote, introducing HB 241, calling for a forensic audit of, according to the verbiage of the bill, every precinct in each county with a population of 415,000 or more. And here are those top 13 population counties and certified election results of 2020. Harris County went 56% Biden, 42.7% President Trump. Dallas County, 65.1% Biden, 33.4% President Trump. 
Tarrant County, whose county seat is Fort Worth, went 49.3% to Biden, 49.1% to President Trump. Bexar County went 58.3% Biden, 41 President Trump. Travis County went 71.7% to Biden, 26.5% to President Trump. Collin County went 51.4% to President Trump, 47.1% to Biden. Hidalgo County, 58% to Biden, 41% President Trump. El Paso County, 66.8% Biden, 31.6% President Trump. Denton County, 53.3% President Trump, 45.2% Biden. Fort Bend County, 54.7% Biden, 44.1% President Trump. Montgomery County, 71.2% President Trump, 27.4% Biden. Williamson County, 49.7% to Biden, 48.3% to President Trump. And Cameron County, 56.1% to Biden, 43% to President Trump. Quite the pattern, isn't it? Of the top 13 Texas counties by population, just three are Republican and 10 are Democrat. And still the state still went red by a lot. But just imagine if one of those Democrat counties had been like Maricopa County or Fulton County in the last election. Could Texas have gone blue? Joining us now with more on this, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Mr. Attorney General, what do you think of auditing the vote in 2020? Look, I think it's a great idea. We should never be afraid of the truth. We can find out what actually happened even in Texas and know whether our elections have some issues. There's no reason not to do an audit. I mean, companies do it all the time. Government does it all the time. There's no reason not to know the truth of every election. And certainly because there are so many questions about this one, maybe even in Texas, we should do the, the audit and find out what, what the actual results were so we can, we can better ourselves next time. Now, you're actually prosecuting a lot of cases of voter fraud in the state. Have you noticed a particular county emerging as perhaps showing the most fraud? No, I mean, we are prosecuting cases all over the state of Texas. It, um, it's not unusual for the larger counties like uh, Bear and Harris, which is Houston, Bear, San Antonio, Travis County, Dallas County to have more cases just because they're larger. But there are problems everywhere. There are problems in North Texas, South Texas. And I think there's no doubt that we have still fraud in our state. Otherwise, we wouldn't have so many prosecutions going what kind of fraud have you been seeing the most of in these cases? Is it the mail-in ballots? Is it, well, I guess you guys really actually fought against that starting out, but what kind of fraud have you seen the most of? Even with our fight against mail-in ballot fraud, we had 12 lawsuits that we had to defend our state laws. They were trying to do the very same thing they did in these other states, in Georgia, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania, but we fought them off and we won every single one of those cases, despite that. We still have over 50% of our cases relating to, to fraud, relate to mail-in ballot fraud, because it's just easier to commit fraud when you don't have to show up with a photo ID and you can mail it in or go collect ballots from somebody else. We can't verify, especially if you don't have signature verification. But even with signature verification, it's difficult to make sure that the right people are voting, which is why mail-in ballot should be a very small percentage of your vote, because it just has a higher degree of error and higher degree of being able to commit fraud. Right. And absentee ballots, we are starting to call them that now. But these were unsolicited mail-in ballots that were happening in a lot of these states for people that didn't actually need to vote because of perhaps an infirmity or something like that. But I want to ask you, the Texas Democrats that have left, they're trying to stall the election integrity legislation going through. Do you think that the legislature is going to get you what you need before the next election to make sure we don't see more types of fraud? 
Well, the irony of them saying that they're trying to protect the voters, in, in reality, they're, they're preventing the voters from having their people vote right now. A majority of the, the representatives are back here. A majority of the senators are back here. They were elected to vote. And they are, these Democrats who are protecting the vote are actually not protecting the vote. They're preventing a vote of elected representatives that are supposed to be doing this under the Constitution. So they're not actually, they're not actually doing their job. And the very complaint that they have is just the opposite of what they're doing. That's not shocking. But yes, I believe that eventually they're going to have to come back or they will vacate their office and we are going to have a vote and we are going to have better laws to protect us from some of these issues that we dealt with last last election. Good. And real quick, you are going to arrest them when they come back. Do you have a plan August 7th? So it's not any of these state police, but yes, I think that when they come back, if there is a session going on, they will be arrested and they don't you know, I know that you said the NAACP is like a post bond. <laughs> they they really are act of vote. They're just simply being transported back, put on the house floor, and basically doors locked until you vote for what you're supposed to vote for. So it's all optics. It's a fundraising tactic when they do all this. But Mr. Attorney General, thank you for what you're doing to protect the vote. You did so much in the last election. And thank you for fighting going forward. We'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so a lot of answers and myths dispelled in that one interview, indeed. Well, first of all, all I can say is, yes, uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton, it is about time that you said something about voter fraud in the state of Texas, uh, particularly because they have been sitting on some data for a minute. Now, I would probably put this more under the lieutenant governor's uh, responsibility because he's the one that received it. Uh, that's Dan Patrick prior to Ken Paxton. But the fact that you have constituents in the state of Texas uh, demanding this audit and you have representatives acting on it, yes, it's good to know. Ken Paxton's going to need this, right? Because he's got uh, he's got two strong contenders for uh, the AG position there in his upcoming re-election. He better start doing something there. But in regards to the runaway Democrats, he said if there is a session in progress when they return on August 7th. And guys, I'm pretty sure the uh, the session ends on the 7th. Are they going to start another session on the same day? No. So they're not going to be, we probably won't see them do the perp walk. We probably won't see them get arrested off of their private jet onto a, uh, the tarmac in Austin, Texas. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, but if it does happen, I would be surprised and I would be most definitely delighted. But at any rate, it is good to know that the AG of Texas is on the side of doing um, an, an audit. He's already said a whole lot more than the AG of Arizona, Sleeping Bronovich over there, right? Sleeping Bronovich hasn't really said Jack. And uh, they've already been, uh, I mean, I guess it was out of his hands, right? It was Paul Boyer's fault, Senator Paul Boyer. Because of Senator Paul Boyer, A.G. Ronovich didn't have to say anything about Maricopa County Board of Supervisors not turning in their freaking subpoenaed materials. Thank you, Paul Boyer, over there in Arizona. You rhino. You need to come out of your, your uh, conservative clothes because your time is done. All right, so that's some real quick news in the field of Texas. Now let's turn over to these 
gentle hands. Now, a little bit of disconcerting news coming out of the state of Michigan and Pennsylvania. I mean, right, what could be more disconcerting than the fact that they're not going to do an election audit over there if they could stand it? Of course, we're talking about the elected officials over there, such as Governor Wretched Gretchen Whitmer and Governor, uh, was it Phil Murphy? Wait, Murphy's, uh, sorry, Tom Wolf. Murphy's the guy from New Jersey. My bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, Tom Wolf over there in um, uh, Pennsylvania. Now, um, much to their delight, Wretched Gretchen Whitmer and Governor Tom Wolf, we'll have to think of some type of name for him. I've never thought of a name for him. Uh, they received news today that they, in fact, will not be probed. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure at least Tom's happy about that, that they will not be probed for any COVID nursing home death scandals by the Biden DOJ, the Biden DOJ, Timo Mitt, just stop following me and go away. Uh, but otherwise, thank you for bringing up my ratings and my uh, percentage scores here at, um, uh, at uh, uh, you know, unless you're agreeing with the fact that that's, I don't know, Timo, you sound like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay. Sorry, guys. I was talking to a troll. Uh, anyways. Okay. So as I was saying, uh, the Biden DOJ, they're not going to pursue any type of investigation into wretched Gretchen Whitmer, nor are they going to pursue any type of investigation into Tom Wolf over at Pennsylvania in regards to the nursing home COVID death scandals. The Detroit News reports the Department of Justice joins Michigan Attorney General Dana Nassell in declining to probe the policies on which Republicans have focused attacks. While GOP lawmakers have pressed to uncover more information about how to order, how the orders impacted the virus spread among the vulnerable population, the lack of law enforcement inquiries hinders their efforts. Huh. I wonder why there's no inquiries by law enforcement into this matter. Could it be because the Michigan uh, Department of Health and Human Services took more than half forever to deliver this information and then they had to be subpoenaed and it still hasn't been delivered? Could have something to do with that. Could it have to be with the fact that the former head of that same department was given a bunch of hush money not to say anything? Could be. The Department of Justice has chosen not to investigate um, how the governor of Michigan and Pennsylvania ordered nursing homes to accept residents who had tested positive for COVID-19. Now, if you guys remembered, we talked about, you guys know about this. We talked about the governators, right? The governators. We talked about Newsom. We talked about Richard Gretchen Whitmer. We talked about Nipple Rings Cuomo. We talked about Phil Murphy. And we talked about Tom Wolf. And, and, and though he's not mentioned often, also the governor of Minnesota was included on this list. There's actually six of them that did the same mandate where they sent COVID-19 positive patients back into nursing homes and rehabilitation centers, thereby increasing the death toll in those populations. And yet, you know, Cuomo, nipple rings, Cuomo over New York, he got put under fire for it. In fact, Letitia James, the state AG over there in New York, actually did an investigation. He's actually not off the hook yet. Cuomo did not receive a letter saying that the DOJ would not investigate in the state of New York. Phil Murphy over in New Jersey, 
he did not receive a letter saying that they would not investigate in the state of New York, I mean, in the state of New Jersey. And Gavin Grusom Newsom in the state of California also did not receive a letter saying that the DOJ would not investigate in their state. But wretched Gretchen Whitmer, as well as Tom Wolf in Pennsylvania, they both did receive a letter from Biden's DOJ saying, hey, guys, we're not going to look into this. Um, let's see here. According to a, a letter uh, from that informed, uh, it was a letter to Rit Whitmer, Wretched Gretchen. It said, we have reviewed the information you provided along with the additional information available to the department. Based on that review, we have decided not to open a CRIPA investigation. CRIPA stands for Civil Rights of Institutionalized Persons Act. And they're not going to open an investigation, at least federally speaking, into the COVID-19 nursing home death scandals that took place in the state of Michigan. Uh, Tom Wolf, again, from the state of Pennsylvania, received a similar letter. The DOJ in August 2020 requested data from the governor of Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey regarding how the governors ordered nursing homes to accept COVID-positive uh, patients and residents, despite concerns from a variety of groups and officials about the pol uh, policies potentially leading to more deaths. The governor of New Jersey and New York have apparently not received these letters, right? Uh, but large percentage percentages of people who died from COVID-19 in the four states resided in nursing homes and other long-term care facilities, including about three out of 10 Michiganers. But that number might be an undercount um, because we also had a uh, gentleman. Uh, let's see here if I have that in this note. No, I don't seem to. But we had we had an independent journalist who actually requested a FOIA from the state of Michigan. And he received that information, um, even though the Senate did not receive that information until they subpoenaed it. And it doesn't seem like they're acting on it at all right now. Um, I had faith in some of those senators in Michigan, but they seem to have dropped the ball. Uh, but again, uh, the Pennsylvania House Government Oversight Committee is now probing how Wolf, the Wolf administration handled the nursing home uh, deaths during the pandemic. Uh, there are also individuals in Michigan who are doing the same. So while Biden's DOJ seems to have uh, released this one and they're not going to hold them accountable, it seems like the states will still investigate so we will uh, give you guys developing stories on this now because, you know, with Cuomo and over New York City, basically, they just went ahead and covered that up over with like some sex scandals. So no one would talk about the nursing home death scandals. Phil Murphy over in New Jersey, he he played his cards right and he made marijuana legal on all fronts. And so no one cared about the nursing home death scandals. But that seems to be the case in those states. And we guys will keep you abreast on that information as we go. And now... Here is the face of wretched Gretchen Whitmer. You guys know her. You don't love her. But that is the woman, wretched Gretchen Whitmer. Now, why else is she here in uh, today's C-Report? Uh, so as you guys may know, uh, Unlock Michigan, which is a nonprofit organization in the state of Michigan, has been working hard to repeal, um, repeal, the, um, uh, repeal the laws that give her the power. Now we're talking about a law that goes back to 1945. They're very draconian. They're like uh, government emergency powers. 
uh, Emergency Powers Act, actually, of 1945 that was passed. So this way, the governor could do whatever they want under a state of emergency. Now, Unlock Michigan has been working very hard from, like, God, it's been months, guys, that they have been trying to get the state of Michigan unlocked in order to... Um, basically free them up. I mean, we know about all the scandals there. We know about uh, Gretchen Richard Whitmer holding everyone under lock and key and yet doing whatever she wants, right? Uh, during this entire lockdown, her husband going out to boating events, uh, boating on the lake and, you know, doing all these other things. But now it seems that uh, they've made some traction. So in the state of Michigan, the legislature has finally voted to repeal the Governor's Emergency Powers Act. That is a victory for the state of Michigan and the people of Michigan. The House voted 60 to 48 to repeal the law with four Democrats. That is that four Democrats joined in. Uh, we'll name them Representative Sarah Cransby, Tim Sneller, Karen Whitsett, and Richard Steenland. They joined all of the Republicans in voting for the repeal. The state Senate voted to do so by a 20 to 15 vote on July 15th. Now, the Senate vote followed two days after the State Board of Canvassers certified that Unlock Michigan, a coalition of states' residents, had obtained more than required 340,000 votes, valid signatures, to put a repeal proposition before the voters uh, to the next general election. The legislature's action to repeal rendered a vote of the people unnecessary. Under Michigan law, if both chambers of the legislature approve a measure put before them by citizens initiative, the governor has no power to veto and, uh, what has been voted on. So Whitmer had absolutely no power because both the House and the Senate voted to repeal her emergency powers, um, powers, <laughs> her emergency powers, powers. Very good stuff here. In July 2020, Unlock Michigan launched a petition to drive the repeal. This has been a year, guys. It took them a year to do this. Uh, launched a, a petition drive to repeal the Emergency Powers Act. Before the petition had collected enough signatures, the Michigan Supreme Court ruled in October 2020 that the law was an unconstitutional ceding of legislative powers to the governor. The court also unanimously decided because the legislature had refused to extend Whitmer's orders her maintaining them violated the requirements of the Emergency Management Act and ruled that those orders were unconstitutional. Um, and they actually had more opposition, guys. Unlock Michigan had a rival nonprofit group called Keep Michigan Safe. Okay, a rival nonprofit group that wanted to keep these emergency powers intact called Keep Michigan Safe was fighting with Unlock Michigan to keep uh, the the emergency powers in wretched Gretchen Whitmer's hands. I found that was very quite interesting that you had a group of citizens. I'm like, how astroturf was this group in the state of Michigan that was doing this? Like it had to have been more FBI agents, right? Like organizing this group in wretched Gretchen Whitmer's name. Uh, during the petition drive, Keep Michigan Safe implemented an online clearinghouse called Report a Circulator, by which people could record any complaints about alleged misconduct on the part of Unlock Michigan's petitioners who were circulating the petition throughout the state. That is crazy. I can't believe that people are so brainwashed in the state of Michigan that they would have an anti-Unlock Michigan group formulate i think that they were fake i think they were astroturf i think that they were controlled opposition that's my call on that uh 
because who really wants to live under those draconian measures that Reshid Gretchen Whitmer had placed their people on? It's ridiculous. I don't believe it existed. I think it was as fake as the FBI agents that tried to kidnap Wretched Gretchen Whitmer. Anyways, uh, the article goes on that when the Michigan Supreme Court weighed in on June 11th, ruling the board of canvassers must certify the petitions, keep Michigan safe, filed a motion for reconsideration, but they failed. After being directed a second time by high court to certify the petitions on July 13th, the board of uh, canvassers voted three to zero, and then it went to the legislature and they voted to repeal her powers. So we'll see what happens in the state of Michigan. That is some good news there, if you ask me, uh, that they will be repealing her emergency powers so that she can no longer hold the state of Michigan under a ball and chain that is called, do everything that I say, I'm going to do what I do, I'm a wretched Christian Whitmer, and that's all there is to it. So long, Richard Gretchen Witchmer. What demon do we have next? Oh, if it isn't Gavin Gruesome Newsome. Have we not been talking about Gavin Gruesome Newsome this evening? His name seems to keep falling out of my mouth. Anyways, so today's story about Gavin Gruesome Newsome takes us over to the west coast of California, where we see that Governor Gavin Gruesome Newsome has seemingly invited all of the homeless of the United States of America to join him in the state of California and to pursue the Californian dream. This is a ridiculous story, ladies and gentlemen, because I don't understand how he's going to help his chances and his odds, I think, are getting slimmer of being uh, not recalled <laughs> during the special recall election that's coming up in September. Now, Maybe he thinks that people around the state of California will be like, gah, that Gavin Gruesome Newsome, he is a humanitarian. He's a good Samaritan. He's going to give all of this money to homeless causes, which, I mean, the homeless, the, the homeless problem never gets solved. As much money as they kick into the coffers of homeless causes in the state of California, they're just not doing any good. They're not solving anything at all. And, you know, maybe it's because he knows he's going to be recalled. He's like, I know I'm going to be recalled. So let me try and get as much money into my pocket as I can before it happens. Let's go ahead and give a uh, $10.3 billion to the homeless cause. Now, in San Antonio, in District 2, there was a former city council woman who actually hired a firm out of San Francisco to fix the homeless problem in San Antonio. And I was like, girl, do you know how bad the homeless problem is in San Francisco? And you think by hiring a failed firm in a failed state that's failing the homeless and the citizens of their own state is going to help the people of San Antonio fix their homeless problem? Grr, you just wasted San Antonio taxpayer money. Anyway, she's not a councilwoman anymore, but she was. So anyways, to this point, Governor Gavin Gruesome Newsom welcomed the nation's homeless into California after signing the largest homeless investment bill in the state's history. This is what Gavin Gruesome Newsom had to say. The state is roaring back, and I'm proud that people from around the world are looking to California again for opportunity. It's the homeless gold rush, ladies and gentlemen. It says, that should not just be for certain people. 
All people, I think, should aspire to that California dream, regardless of their income level or their housing level, and regardless of their lot in life. So homeless of the world, come to California. The $12 billion, I said 10.3, the $12 billion investment signed by the Gavin Newsom Grusom uh, Project Home Key site is a part of the $100 billion of the California Comeback Plan, which also includes $10.3 billion for affordable housing. So $22.3 billion is going to go to Po people. According to and homeless people, according to the United States Interagency Council on Homelessness, the state had more than 161,000 people experiencing homelessness as of January 20th. Uh, sorry, January 2020. During the next two years, the $12 billion in funding is intended to confront the homelessness crisis by continuing to fund homelessness and provide. Housing. So they're going to continue to fund homelessness. That's double speak to me. That tells me they're going to continue to fund people to be homeless. They're going to just be handing out money to the homeless. They're going to be like, here, come get your drugs. Come get your free medication. Come get your free housing. You don't need a home. You don't need to work. You don't need to become a productive member of society. As long as we have this $12 billion, we will have money on our reserves to make sure that you stay dependent and you stay homeless. Is that your scheme, Gavin Gruesome Newsome? I don't understand how you're going to remain uh, a governor of that state much longer. But again, like I said, this might just be a scheme to fill his pockets full of money before he gets booted out. Uh, now, there is a sheriff by the name of Alex Villanueva. Alex Villanueva, um, he hosted a Facebook forum on July 21st, as a matter of a fact, to discuss the, the county's homelessness. Now, he is the Los Angeles County Sheriff, and he was talking about the county's homelessness and said that he was displeased with Gavin Gruesome Newsom's invitation to the homeless. Um, he said, that's really not what we need here in Los Angeles County. He said that the Venice Boardwalk, for example, the encampment there included homeless people from 23 different states. So with this invitation from Gavin Gruesome Newsome of $12 billion, I'm pretty sure that Venice Beach is going to see members of all 50 states there in the state of California on the beach. I've been to Venice Beach. I'm glad I never went swimming there. I'm pretty sure it was not safe to go swimming at Venice Beach at the time that I went. Uh, but it was um, it was not as magical as I told it would be. Uh, now, in a closing statement, uh, Sheriff Alex Vinueva did say, based on our governor's proclamation the other day that the California dream is alive and well, and he's inviting everyone to California to share in California's dream. I don't know if he's planning for the other 26 states to come join us here. But since L.A. County has half of the state's entire homeless population, we're not in a position to have all of these people show up. However, Governor, if you wish to have them in your vineyard, on your property, in your mansion, by all means, you have the freedom to invite them there. But here in L.A. County, we're pretty much full. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of, guys? Have you guys ever seen that episode of South Park <laughs> where they have a homeless problem and they're all, change, I need change. And then the guys round them up uh, on a bus and they're playing that song, California. <laughs> 
they all went, they all took him to California, California in the city. <laughs> you guys know that song. I don't know it. I didn't listen to hip hop back in the day. Anyways, that's an interesting story. I don't think that Gavin Gruesome Newsome can stand any chance with moves like that. Now let's see how much more draconian measures, draconian measures he puts back on their state in regards to the COVID-19 shamdemic. Okay. All right. Here's our last story for tonight, guys. And we'll wrap up the C report before we hop on again tonight, right? I haven't even had dinner today. For crying out loud. I had breakfast. We've been that busy here in the C household. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is a, uh, this is a, symbol this is a, an image of the flag of florida and uh let's see here it says uh 29 victims were rescued 363 human trafficking arrests are made in the state of florida now guys uh there's a sheriff i think he's in broward county if i'm not mistaken he is funny as heck he has some of the most um humane news conferences oh, i wish i could remember his oh B judge grady I mean, Judge Grady, <laughs> Sheriff Grady. His name's like Sheriff Brady Grady or something like that. Sheriff Grady or Sheriff Brady. He's awesome. I would recommend you go watch his news conferences, his press conferences over on uh, any platform that plays them. Very good stuff. But uh, a good story out of the state of Florida. 29 victims rescued, 363 human trafficking arrests made in the state of Florida. The Florida Sheriff's Association Task Force announced on Thursday that it recovered 29 victims of human trafficking and made 363 arrests during a month-long operation. Like, dang! 363 people, guys, like they're working hard over there. During the month of June, the Florida Sheriff's Association Task Force Operation Breaking Chains, that was the name of the operation, focused on eradicating human trafficking throughout the 16 Florida counties and arresting those involved in the trafficking of individuals. A total of 16 sheriffs across 16 Florida counties participated in the effort collectively recovering 29 human trafficking victims, identifying 31 human traffickers, and making 363 arrests. So um, minus the 31, that means that there were 332 Johns or, you know, uh, patrons of these human traffickers. That is insane, y'all. The Broward Sheriff's Count Office uh, Strategic Investigation Division, which took place in the operation, said a news release that human trafficking is an ongoing problem in the state of New York. Apparently so, in the state of New York, it is a pretty big problem. But it's good to note that, uh, you know, this did not go away, people, just because President Trump was no longer in office. Uh, it did not go away. They are still cracking down on human traffickers. They are still cracking down on pedophiles. And uh, I think that that is a big, big deal because if they had it any other way, they would all be banking on the lives of these children. We'll see what happens to the illegitimate Joe Biden regime because I'm sure they're tracking their movements, but that's a story that we probably won't get until a later date. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's been fun hanging out with you. I apologize again for coming on short today at the Sea Report, but thank you all again for your patience and for hanging out. 
just as always, guys, it's great to see you guys in the chat. I've just released the lotto, so you guys may begin a scratch into your own delight. But in the meantime, in between time, we will be back in about a couple of hours for Mr. C in the Dark. No telling what we're going to cover there. Maybe we'll have some headlines. Maybe we'll have some uh, just some uh, chat. Perhaps we'll have a special guest or two. Um, that will be fun, most definitely. So if you are still up and kicking in a couple of hours, be sure to tune back on in. We will be here at 12 o'clock. Now, don't forget, Mr. C in the Dark is off the hook. I mean, we don't we get we get nice and dressed down. We get comfy <laughs> and we just have a good time. So anyways, guys, y'all guys have a great night. Thanks again for tuning in to the Sea Report. Thank you for those who put in those gold pill donations. They're most appreciated, especially at the end of the month. But we will talk to you guys in a few hours. Till then, take care. And uh, I'm going to go have dinner. <laughs> Y'all have a good night. <laughs> See you later. Ta-ta.